It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Janet here. This is our first call for the Claim Your Abundance Identity program, and I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's been uh, it's been fabulous just watching a bunch of old familiar faces kind of arrive at the party and whole brand new uh, a whole lot of brand new people that I haven't met before. I'm, I just love that combination. Um, Now, I want to start with a bit of housekeeping, but before I do, I just want to say a quick round of hellos to people who are on the line. Uh, We've got the goddess known as Jackie is in the house. (laughs) Hello, hello. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) Jackie and I have been friends and coach buddies. We trained together and we were each other's coach buddy during training and that, you know, it's, I never had a I never, I haven't kept in touch with any person that I was at school with, so I never got until now the whole thing about staying best friends with your schoolmates, and now I get it. <laughs> Jackie Yay. and I were like, we're best buds. Um, we've got Guillaume on the line, all the way from the UK, where it is midnight. Hi, Guillaume. Hello, Janet. Thank you, and hello to everybody else. So we've got Sandy. <laughs> we've got Sandy on the line. Hey, Sandy. Hi, hello everyone. And we have Corey on the line. Hi, Corey. Hi, hello everyone. Uh, uh, and we've got um, a couple of people whose names I don't know. We've got Central Florida. Who's that in Central Florida? You might not actually be in Central Florida. You might be somewhere else. It's just my dashboard is showing you as coming from there. So if you're on the line and I haven't said hello to you specifically, say hello and let me know who you are. Or not. I'm, you don't have to. Uh, I had to <laughs> unmute. I'm Stacey. I don't think I'm in Central Florida. I would kind of like to be maybe near a beach, but I'm in Georgia. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got one in North Georgia and I've got one in Central Florida. Hi there, Stacey. Yeah, nice hey. to have you on the line. Thank you. <laughs> and um, we've got a few people in chat as well. We've got Tana in Los Angeles and we've got Tammy and we've got Beverly and we've got Guest 4. So um, thank you guys for signing up for TalkShoe accounts if you if you did that because it helps me to know who everybody is and get a clear picture. Uh, now just to let you know, uh, hey Lisa, Lisa's just arrived in chat, yay. Um, just to let you know, if I get any background noise, I will mute you. Um, but if you want to mute yourself, so if you're in the middle of doing, if you're multitasking, which it would be nice if you weren't, but if you have to, I understand how that is. Um, if you're multitasking or if you're driving somewhere um, and there's background noise, you can mute yourself by hitting star six on your phone. Uh, if I get background noise out of the blue, I will probably mute everybody and then unmute people one by one just to make sure we're managing the sound as as nicely as we can. And uh, um, also to let you know that I will probably try not to look at chat too much, but I know that Jackie will let me know if there are questions in chat because the way I like to do this material is I, I have information to teach you, 
obviously, um, and I want to make sure that it's landing properly and that it makes sense. So I will be stopping every so often to see if anyone has questions. And I also want to make sure that we have the opportunity for coaching. Now, I suspect the coaching, that the calls will change over the course of this program. To begin with, they will be teaching heavy uh, with space for Q&A. And then as we move through the material, we will probably find there's more opportunities and more desire for coaching. Because as we do the work, um, it, you know, the coaching becomes more focused um, and we, you know, it's more useful. So um, I'm going to uh, uh, also remind everybody that um, th this is what the, really the, what the Facebook group is for, is for all the kind of questions and coaching inquiries and um, stuff that comes up in between the calls. So please, if you have a question or if, you, if you're working with the homework and something's just not landing for you, it's not working, or you think you might be doing it wrong, whatever it might be, please ask in the group. Um, I won't be doing any private communication because it's the only way I can manage this program and keep it kind of um, at, at, a, at a low cost is to make sure that it's kind of contained within the Facebook group. Uh, uh, you don't need to tag me when you post in the group. I will see. I, I will be checking in there on a regular basis, and I'll see everything. And I also have to let you guys know that I am taking my computer in for um, a checkup today. It, it died completely earlier in the week, which was a little unnerving. It died just before my um, last class for the first round of this program, so I had to kind of um, rustle up an alternative, uh, which I managed to do, which is great. But it means that I'm a bit wary about my computer at the moment. She needs to have a look. She needs to be checked out. So, over the depending on if I can get it fixed today, I will be completely back online and and uh, around, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. If for any reason I have to leave it at the hospital, or if I have to get a new computer and use that, whatever to, whatever other thing might happen, uh, it might mean that I'm reliant on an iPad and an iPhone for communication for a short while. In which case, I won't necessarily be able to do lengthy replies. Um, I should be able to set up my iPad with a keyboard, but would, I just want to give you a heads up that if you ask a curly question that requires a really long and nuanced answer because I don't like to brush people off with something short when it needs a bit of a deeper dive. If I say to you, this is something I need to circle back around to, it just means that I'm, I am coming back to it. I'm not brushing you off. I'm just saying I can't answer it right now. Um, and and I'm taking it on board to, to talk about. Um, uh, <laughs> I've had a question in chat about um, uh, from Tana about the length of class. The, um, I've set talks you up with a window of two hours for each class. That does not mean we're going to be here for two hours. Uh, in the last program that I ran, it worked out that most classes ended up about 90 minutes. I'm hoping with this program to make them so that you don't have to be on the on the phone for 90 minutes because it does seem like a really long time. Um, it depends to a certain extent on how much questions, how many questions people have. So if there's lots of conversation and lots of questions, the call might take a bit longer. Ideally, I'd like them to take about an hour, but I'm happy to stay on the line for as long as it takes while people have questions. So my aim is to do the teaching material, including questions, within the first 60 minutes. Uh, and that means if you have to get off the line, you can. Um, but if they're, you know, but I would always 
recommend it's worth coming back to listen to people's questions because they may well be your questions. In my experience with these groups, people are drawn together for a reason. So if one person has a question, it's likely that more than that, that other people will have that question, which is another reason I like having people ask questions in the Facebook group rather than privately because you're not the only one who's going to benefit from the discussion around it. Uh, the other thing I want to say is, by way of housekeeping, is that we have a mix in this class. We have people who have just finished a, um, a, the same program, basically. Well, similar. Things will change a little bit this time around. Uh, they always do. Uh, we have people who are basically repeating it. So I'd like to think of you guys as being kind of postgraduate students. Um, and it means that there are some people here who, uh, are, who have learned terminology and concepts that the people who are new to me have not yet learned. So I'm going to ask that as far as possible, and I'm not going to kind of, you know, nobody will get in trouble if they forget. But if you are a, if you are a returning student and you have a question that is something that you know this, this group is not likely to have all, you know, that not, not everybody has caught up to that yet. Um, I'm going to ask you to preface your any post that you put in Facebook with a little, um, you know, in brackets, just put something like postgrad, postgrad question or something like that. It's not that you can't ask the questions. I'm, I don't want to sort of say, oh, you've got to wait until everyone's caught up. If you've got a question on something you're working with, that's from the latter part of the, the previous program. I want you. To, I want to make sure that that you can, you know, get the support that you want. Um, but I also want to make sure that that new students aren't seeing material and going, what did I miss? Because it's stuff that they're not yet familiar with. So if you're a new student and you see something that's prefaced by post-grad, um, feel free to read the conversation. There's not, I'm not saying you can't look at it, but just know that it might be stuff that you're not yet familiar with that you don't, that, and you might not know what it means yet. And, and if that, so don't let that cause you any kind of stress. It's a bit like, you know, we've got some people here who are just beginning um, physics 101 and the other ones are doing you know particle research at the Hadron Collider um, we don't necessarily expect everyone to be on the same page and that's totally okay uh, so uh, does anybody have any kind of housekeeping-ish kind of questions that they want to ask before we dive into the material Nope, I shall take your silence as an indication that we're all on track. <laughs> um, the, so why do I talk about an identity? Uh, I think this is a really important place to start with, with doing a little bit of defining. Um, when I talk about your abundance identity or when I talk about identity shifting, I am not talking about t changing anything that is a core part of who you really are. What I'm talking about, and I know that this is different. There are sorry, I just I just made a really loud noise on my microphone. Um, I know that there are people um, uh, who are familiar with other teachers' works, such as, um, for example, Fabeku Fatun Miche. He uses the term identity in a quite different way from the way I do. So, if you've worked with other teachers who use identity to to talk about something that is core to you, that is a part of of you know who you were when you arrived on the planet. I'm using it a little differently. What I'm using, what what I mean when I talk about identity is uh, your brain's self-image of who you are, and that might be very, very different because your brain's image of who you are, as along with all the other things that your brain 
um, assumes is true is all learned. This is stuff that our brains have taken on board throughout childhood, throughout our young adulthood. Our brains have taken it on from a mixture of um, input, observing other people, uh, our own experiences, um, the things that we've been taught, the beliefs that we've been taught, and all the stuff that we've taken on board. So we've got this this identity at the moment that, that is, we've got a whole bunch of different identities to do with our health, with our money, with our relationships, all kinds of things. So with this program, we're focused on money. And I want to say money and abundance. And I want to say that it, it, uh, nothing is really compartmentalized. So as you work with this stuff, it, it, don't be surprised if other things shift as well. Um, just be open to that possibility that, that this has a holistic kind of impact. So what we're looking at is we're looking at our brain's image of who we are in, as an identity. And that our brain's image of who we are when it comes to our relationship with money, unless it's completely open and flowing and joyful and all the rest of it, then we've got some stuff that we can change. We want to shift that identity so that it gets closer to this fully abundant identity. So what we're doing is throughout the course of this program, what we'll be doing, all of the work that we'll be doing is designed to get your brain on board with the idea of you as an abundant person for whom all things are possible. And at the beginning of this program, I, I know that for some of you at least, your brain is going, well, that's not going to happen. That's going to be too hard. And I want to say, no, it's entirely possible. The homework that you've, the, or the sorry, the pre-course preparation that I've recommended for you guys includes my book on brain science. Uh, so if you haven't yet read that, I invite you to read it. If you haven't read it, if you've read it, but it was a while ago, I'm going to invite you to reread it. Um, and that's going to be part of your, the first part of your homework for this week is to read that book. So if you've already read it, great, you've done your homework, but it's part of your homework for week one. Woohoo! Um, if you haven't yet read it, then you'll find it in the files in the Facebook group. So the first invitation is to grab that book and read it. Because your brain is, your, your, your experience of reality is delivered to you, to you by your brain based on what it believes is possible. And that is based on memory and experience and belief. So as we look to shift that identity, as we look to rewire your brain, the very first thing we want to do and our focus for this first week is to get familiar and okay with the idea of letting go of the old identity. Because until you're kind of set up to do that, to be able to do that, until you've got some skills under your belt to allow you to, to unhook from that old identity, it's really hard to pick up the new one fully. So the first work that we're going to do this first week is, is purely about unhooking from the old identity. Um, as we go through the material, we will then move into, <clears throat> pardon me, as, we, as the um, work unfolds, we'll move into um, what we do in order to um, uncover and reveal the new identity to, to, desi to design it. Really what we're doing is designing it, figuring out what we want it to, to look like. And then we're going to work out, and then we're going to look at how to bring that into your everyday life so that you step into it. Because what that does is it shifts your brain's self-image. And once that happens, your brain will literally deliver to you things that you previously wouldn't have believed is possible. Wouldn't have believed possible. Um, 
you'll see you'll see opportunities that you didn't see before. People, if you're in business, clients will find you in ways that they never have before. It it looks like miracles. It looks like trafficking in miracles, um, but it has this meaty, juicy kind of physi physiological um, uh, strategy that we can play with. Um, so. Before we talk about the specifics of unhooking from the old identity, I also want to talk about the, if you like, the science of identity shifting, because there are three different systems which all ultimately say the same thing. And these are law of attraction, brain science, and quantum physics. So law of attraction says that like attracts like. Where we put our focus, that's what we get more of. And so when we think about the topic of money, if our focus is on lack of money, then we're going to get more lack. If our focus is on abundance, we're going to get more abundance. That's the very, very simplest, that's the simplest way of explaining law of attraction. And there are a lot of nuances within that. And the biggest question is, how do we get lined up with the abundant end of that money spectrum? If you think of that relationship with money as a spectrum, on one end is abundance, on the other end is scarcity. We we know where we are by how we feel. So if we feel really bad about money, we know that we're towards the scarcity end. If we feel really good about it, then we know we're towards the abundance end. But it's not our feelings that determine where we sit on that spectrum. We can't force our feelings to kind of change that. Uh, we use our feelings as a guidance, but then we've got to use some kind of strategy to move us along the spectrum towards abundance. Uh, and there are a lot of techniques out there for doing that. And if you, unless you're brand new to the world of law of attraction, you will already know some of these. Um, quantum physics uh, is a very mysterious area, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation and noise out there in the world about the relationship between law of attraction and quantum physics. And I'm not a fan of all of it. I like my science really hardcore. <laughs> I like it to come from you know peer-reviewed research and I like it to be really specific and I'll be honest with you I have read Stephen Hawking's book I have read you know I I, I, I do read scientists science papers um, and my brain understands them while I'm reading them but I don't understand it well enough to teach it and I don't know that anyone other than a quantum physicist really does to be honest um, the father of quantum physics Niels Bohr once said that if you if if quantum physics but I'm paraphrasing but he said if if quantum physics doesn't freak you out then you haven't understood it it's too weird for us ordinary mere mortals to kind of wrap our heads around when it comes to an everyday life there's a wonderful um, bit in the book Superbrain written by Deepak Chopra and Rudy Tanzi where they say you know quantum physicists are like the rest of us they don't go to work in a cloud of energy they drive their cars we live in this kind of Newtonian mechanistic world that we interface with on a regular basis. So while quantum physics is a brilliant way of understanding how the the universe works, basically quantum physics says that where we put our focus and our observation, we collapse things out of the area of possibility. They start out as a field of possibility and through observation we collapse them into reality. And quantum physics also talks about the multiverse, the idea that there's an infinite number of different realities all happening at the same time. And so there's this concept that, um, you know, while there's a version of me that's living in Ballarat in Australia in a 
you know, a nice little townhouse. There's a version of me that's living in a mansion in Malibu. And there's another version of me that's living in um, the desert in Ethiopia. And there's another version of me that is not human. And there's another version of me that doesn't, there's another, there's a whole heap of realities in which I don't exist at all. Um, again, very difficult to wrap our brains around when it comes to the, the nitty gritty realities of paying the rent, paying the gas bill, you know, working out where the next client's coming from. So for my money, the most powerful of these three systems is brain science. It's the brain science that helps us, it's our capacity to rewire our brains that allows us to navigate the reality that, you know, navigate our way through the multiverses in quantum physics terms. It's also this, um, you know, that we, we have the capacity to rewire our own brains physically. It's, this is a real thing. <laughs> and this is what allows us to change our alignment and to move our vibration along the spectrum towards abundance and away from scarcity. So, this, so as I said, this week we're about unhooking, about finding ways to help our brains to unhook from the old scarcity identity that we may have had. And again, I know that we've got a variety of people with variety of circumstances in this group. We've got some people who are coming from really difficult struggle um, and heavy debt. We've also got some people here who are doing okay, but they want to expand. They want to do better. So wherever it is that you're starting out from, knowing how to unhook from that old identity is really helpful. And a, a, a significant part of unhooking from that old identity um, is going to require having a strategy and a tool that will help you to access calm and optimism rather than the old um, energies that often have come up with money for people, um, including me. I, I will put my hand up to this, that I have been there. I have been in that situation where just thinking about money instantly elevates my heart rate, not in a good way, <laughs> not from excitement, but from fear. Um, it instantly gives me an adrenaline jolt. It instantly gives me a feeling of, oh crap, now what? Um, that's no longer the case. And I, the, the, the technique I'm going to teach you guys is the technique I used to make that physiological shift where I could think about money without having, a, you know, a, a, it wasn't quite a major panic attack, but it was not pleasant. So before I go any further with, with this, uh, any questions? Any questions at all about what I've talked about or anything else that you've that's just popped into your head? I just mentioned in chat, Janet, that it's when you said um, that bit about how observation collapses the realities. That's my favourite bit. That's the part I I had I, I had under my uh, sort of. I had it waxed at one point and then I kind of lost track and to have that reminder, mm. it's so cool because, I mean, it's just so amazing that just observation <laughs> can change something. You, you, yes. you wouldn't think because there's nothing tangible. When you look at something, there's no tangible transference of energy or anything. But the fact that <laughs> that as a, it can be a, a technique, so to speak, and, and can yep. change the physics of things, that just blows my mind and it's also incredibly empowering. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and I, I agree with you. I have the same response. Whenever I think about that, it blows my mind and, and for me that's, 
in a way, that's almost a reason why I need something else. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we, you know, we we most of us have been raised in this very Newtonian way of thinking about things, where you know you you do you do you take an action. New, the Newtonian physics says that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. So if you want something to happen or to change, you have to take an action. And for most of us, that translates to you've got to, you know, if you're in business, you've got to get out and hustle. Or it, it might translate to if you, um, you know, if if money is tight, then you've got to worry. <laughs> it's like you you've got this yeah. thing that says if you worry, you're you know, if, if you're not worrying about it, then then things will get worse, which is really kind of nuts when you think about it. So so the 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 whole concept that by simply observing something could change, I, for me, for a really long time, that was too much of a reach. I couldn't get to that. I couldn't really believe in it. And while I couldn't really believe in it, I couldn't really put it into practice. And of course, one of the things that helped me to get my head around that was to recognize that making an observation, making a measurement of something in itself is an action. That's and true. I have to say, this is kind of getting into the advanced stuff right, right, right out of the gate. So, um, this will everything that Jackie and I have just been talking about will actually make a lot more sense a little further down the track. But for the time being, just kind of relax into it. <laughs> if you hear me um, talking about stuff that you're, that's making you go, "What?" Don't worry, <laughs> you'll get there. <laughs> we will all get there. Um, but yes, quantum physics as one of the systems that we that we play with, um, it is really weird and wild stuff. I think it's actually weirder and wilder than the sort of magic woo-woo stuff of law of attraction. I think it's way more out there. Um, so we were going. So we're going to begin with brain science because we've all got a brain. We know, and we all have the opportunity to learn how to manage it. So this is the the key to this. The key to this work is knowing and understanding that you are not the victim of your brain. You are the boss of your brain. And this is new to most of us. If, you're, if, you're, if you were taught by somebody over the age of 20, which most of us were <laughs> in this group, um, you will have been taught at some point that the, the, the old understanding of the adult brain. We were, for 400 years, we have thought, we collectively, the, uh, have thought that the brain was not, um, you know, that it, it, was, it was plastic and changeable during childhood and, and, teen, and the teen years. And then once we got to adulthood, it became fixed. And we now know that that's completely and utterly wrong and that the brain remains plastic and pliable and changeable, physio physically and literally changeable all the way through our lives, right through until old age. There's plenty of research now that proves this. The difficulty is, of course, that we live inside a reality that's been, you know, that our, real, our experience of reality is delivered to us by our brain and it is relying on old memories and old beliefs. So it, it tends to try and deliver a reality that might, it, it, it's like your brain needs a bit of convincing. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I wrote that book. Um, was for exactly that reason, to kind of give your brain a reason to believe. 
Because once your brain has a reason to believe, it will willingly and happily change. It's just that you're the one who's got to do the job of changing it. And your brain has some patterns and habits that sometimes make it a little harder to change it than others. So for example, uh, this, is, this is kind of a little bit like attachment. Um, if there's something that you are not at all attached to, some bit of information, you suddenly learn, let's say, a new way of baking cookies. You, your mum taught you how to bake cookies years and years and years ago and you've always baked cookies the same way and then suddenly somebody brings out a brand new um, way of doing it. Maybe it's the change from a metal baking sheet to a silicon baking sheet or maybe it's a, a new way of maybe it's using um, chickpea flour instead of using wheat flour but suddenly you've got a whole new way of doing things. You're probably not that attached to the old way of doing things and your brain happily takes on board. You might have to practice a bit with the new, you know, mastering the silicon baking tray or, or mastering the art of blending chickpea flour because it behaves a little differently from wheat flour. So you might have to play a bit. But your brain's pretty eager to learn. And it, and it says, oh, look at this. I can make cookies this whole brand new way. This is kind of fun. Because you're not that attached to how you bake cookies. You're not really that attached to the, me the methodology. It's, it's like, yeah, this is no big deal. When it comes to things that you have a lot of attachment around or a lot of emotion around, it can feel like your brain doesn't want to change. And all this is, is a kind of inertia. So there are a couple of things going on. One is inertia. And the other one is the neurochemical, the neurochemical um, circumstances in your brain. So I want to talk about inertia first because that's kind of relatively quick and easy to understand. Inertia is, uh, again, going back to physics, this is Newtonian physics this time. Inertia is the tendency of things to, to continue to be in the state they are in. So if you're driving a car <clears throat> and you're traveling at 100 miles an hour down the road and you apply the brakes, your car has a tendency to want to continue to be going at 100 miles an hour. And when you apply the brakes, it takes a little while for the car. The car doesn't stop instantly. It has to, it has to decelerate. So it takes it a little while to change state from 100 miles an hour to stationary. Similarly, if you're trying to start a steam train, um, you've, I'm sure you guys have all seen footage of a train beginning to, to, to move, a locomotive beginning to move. And initially the wheels, there's lots of steam and then the wheels kind of spin on the tracks and then finally they bite and they get traction and the train just moves really slowly because the train has this tendency to want to stay still and applying force, the force of the wheels, the force of the engine over a period of time, gradually the train changes its state and begins to, to move faster. So in both of these cases, whether you're braking a moving car or starting a, a stationary train, you're overcoming inertia. So what we're doing here is something similar. Our brain, and this apply, inertia applies to everything. So your brain has a tendency to want to continue to be the same. You're applying um, work over the period of the next few weeks. You'll be applying work. You'll be doing practices. You'll be doing homework. And it will change your brain. And you will need to overcome inertia. And how that plays out for each individual is going to be really different. For some of us, and it's not necessarily going to be consistent. So you may find that 
it's really easy to begin with and then suddenly it, it's like you, something hits the brakes and, and it's like wading through treacle. You may find that to begin with it's really hard and then it suddenly gets easier. You may find that you travel along really, really well for three weeks and then suddenly crash. You find your, your you know, it's like you fell in a hole. All of these things are completely normal. Nothing is wrong. And if you find yourself in that situation where you feel like you've been traveling really well and something's not working or you feel like you can't get started, please ask in the group for support because there are lots and lots and lots of different methods that I can give you to support you based on your specific and individual experience. So obviously I can't teach every single possible permutation in the main teaching material because we'd be here for five, for 14 hours. But I want to make sure that you know that one of the things you'll be doing with this work is you will be, as you unhook the old identity and shift into the new, you will be overcoming inertia. And how that plays out for you is going to be, we have no idea. But almost, I can tell you now that I've seen just about every possible response under the sun and every single one of them is normal and okay and there is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. Um, so if you feel that you are not that it's not travelling the way you want, please ask for help. That's the whole point of this of this you know this being a live uh, thing rather than a do-it-yourself recorded program. That's the first thing I want to talk about. <clears throat> Uh, have we got any questions at all at this point? Because I'm about to dive into the sort of the big meaty part of today's conversation. Nope. Cool. No. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make... Oh, my gosh. My computer is behaving so well right now. I'm so impressed with her. Um, <laughs> so let me talk about neurochemistry because... Uh, and some of you may already be familiar with this. I, you may have heard me talk about this before. If you are a member of Jeanette Moore's Good Vibe University, you may well have heard me talk about that, this over there. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the neurochemistry of your brain. So the, I stand by for a little science. The way that your brain communicates with itself and the way it works, the whole way of because basically your brain is a massive communication network. It's made up of brain cells called neurons. And each of these brain cells communicates with its neighbors. Um, a thought is basically a flash of communication between brain cells. There's a lot we still don't understand about the brain. So I just want to say up front, we don't know everything yet. There's still a lot we don't know, but we do know a bunch of stuff. So we know that, uh, that when we have a thought, we've actually observed this in um, functional MRI machines that when we have a thought, areas of the brain, neurons in the brain fire up and they send signals between themselves. So it's like this um, sort of flash of uh, light, if you like. It's not literally light. It's, um, it's basically, it's an electrochemical charge that moves from brain cell to brain cell. Uh, and the, the mechanism that the brain uses to, that the brain cells use to talk to each other is through these neurotransmitters. So these are little tiny molecules uh, and they're different depending on what it is that the brain cell is conveying. So different emotions have different neurotransmitters. And again, we don't know, that it's like a really, really complex and, um, and nuanced symphony. There is 
that we we and we are we are at the point so if you imagine it's a very 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 delicate tapestry of different neurotransmitters we're at the point where we're using a sledgehammer <laughs> we still don't really understand all the all the very nuanced details of it we know a bit but there's a bunch we still don't know but we do know that these different neurotransmitters um are received by the cell so if one cell is sending out a neurotransmitter with a message of say joy or anger or fear or hope or whatever it might be uh, it uses the brain the brain cells use these neurotransmitters for everything but what I want to talk about specifically today is emotions because we want to look at the old identity to do with money and the emotions around that the emotions of shame fear um, anger rage whatever it might be particularly to do with money so we've got these brain cells that are talking to each other every time you have a thought about money and you feel anxious one brain cell is sending an anxiety neurotransmitter to its neighbor and it's a specific neurotransmitter that is related to your experience of anxiety around money so it's really specific it's like a little cocktail of particular bits and pieces that make up this neurotransmitter and the brain cell that's receiving that has has to have special receptors so when the neurotransmitters are sent from one cell to, a, to the next cell the way that the next cell receives it is through a special it's like a specially shaped receptor that will only take that particular neurotransmitter so you've got brain cells that have all these different receptors on their surface there will be receptors for for hope receptors for joy receptors for anger receptors for anxiety receptors for you know rage shame whatever it might be you can imagine this is getting really really complex so we're going to keep it really simple <laughs> and we're going to say okay let's assume that there's a particular shaped neurotransmitter in your brain that is the one associated with anxiety around money there will be a bunch of other ones there will be things like shame around money there will be things like um, anger about money uh, whatever it might be but let's just let's just look at the anxiety around money to begin with so over a period of time if money has been difficult either when you're growing up as a kid or it becomes difficult when you get to adulthood and you're responsible for yourself and you suddenly figure it realize that you don't really know what you're doing with money this is my story <laughs> and so you you know it becomes a source of anxiety because you don't really know what you're doing um, let's assume that your brain is constantly exposed to this anxiety around money what happens over a period of time is that the brain cells are constantly flooding your whole brain with this cocktail this chemical cocktail that's associated with anxiety around money and as a consequence all of the brain cells start to develop more receptors for that neurotransmitter they kind of have to because they're being bombarded with it all the time so they make lots and lots and lots of neuroreceptors to catch this particular transmitter because there's so much information coming in so many messages coming in around anxiety around money and what happens over a period of time is that those receptors begin to overwhelm the other kinds of receptors that you've got so it things become unbalanced and those brain cells that now have lots of receptors for the anxiety around money neurotransmitter they've got all these receptors and suddenly if you stop feeling anxious about money you've got these brain cells that are going 
well, where's my, where's my chemical? They're like little junkies. They, they crave that anxiety around money neurotransmitter because they've got all these receptors, but there's nothing coming in. So they're going to start getting like jonesing for that hit of that neurotransmitter. And what happens then is your brain behaves like a junkie. It will go, it, it, the sequence is something like brain cell with, full of receptors says, I have nothing, I have, no, I have no anxiety chemicals, what's going on? Brain kicks up a story to trigger an anxiety in you, which then triggers a flood of the anxiety, the anxiety around money neuro, neurotransmitter, which satisfies those brain cells that are hanging out for it. So your brain cells behave like little addicts. And they trigger anxiety around something when it isn't really happening. Uh, and you can usually tell that this is the case uh, because you'll get the hit of anxiety before you really understand what you're anxious about. And then almost immediately after, like a split second later, you'll go, what am I feeling anxious about? Oh, that's right. That bill is due. Or, oh, that's right. That, you know, we've got that rent increase coming up. Or, oh, that's right. I've got that that thing I've got to pay for. So there's this sense of kind of a continual attachment to the sense of anxiety around money. Now I'm talking about anxiety around money just as a specific example, but it could be shame around money. It could be a whole bunch of other things. Whatever it is for you, if this has been a pattern for you, then there is a tool, a really simple technique that you can use which will it, and this is something I developed based on um, a couple of different um, techniques that uh, are being used for people with OCD and um, uh, a couple of other things. And I'm happy to talk more about the sort of the mechanics of it and how it works uh, in the group if people want to know. I don't want to spend too long on it today. I actually just want to teach you the technique. Um, but if you if you if you want to know more about it, I'm, you know, you can ask the question in the Facebook group, and I'll, and I'll, I'll put in some more information there. Um, so, what we want to do is we want to, we can't unhook from the old identity while we're dealing with our brain being a junkie. So, your brain being a junkie may not be true for everybody in this program. If you are, if you are aware that you have no kind of really major anxieties around money or no, no kind of shame around money, none of that stuff to deal with, then that's cool. It's still worth knowing this technique because as we go through the program and you're sort of challenging your old relationship with money, you might find that there is some, some hidden stuff that, you, that you'll want to use this technique for. So it's worth learning it anyway. It's worth knowing about it anyway. And you can always come back and listen to this recording, you know, listen to the recording of this call. If you discover sort of three in three weeks time, you think, oh, maybe I should use this technique. So the technique is called vibration rehab. Um, I called it that when I first in, developed it a, a few years ago because it just seemed like such a great way to, uh, to like a really nice metaphor, this idea of your brain cells being little junkies. We're going to take them to rehab and you're going to like it. <laughs> this is not hard. Um, so what we want to do is we want to reset the chemical balance of your brain. So what we're going to do is we're going to, so this is a little bit of technical information about how it works, but basically we want to flood your brain with um, the chemicals that are not related to anxiety. So we're particularly going to flood your brain with dopamine. Uh, and the reason for that is twofold. First of all, flooding your brain with dopamine means that uh, 
your brain cells have to develop more dopamine receptors, which means that they're going to reduce the number of anxiety receptors or shame receptors or whatever it might be. So there's going to be a resetting of your of the the way your brain cells um, you know your your brain cells will, will change. Um, but also dopamine is associated with learning and the reward system. So when we flood our brains with dopamine, we actually help our brains to learn new things. You know, I said before that the adult brain is plastic and it's changeable. That that plasticity and that capacity to change is enhanced when we experience dopamine, when we get a, a hit of dopamine because of the way it's part of the learning system. It's, that's partly what it's designed for. New New neural pathways develop faster in the presence of dopamine. So we're going to use this technique, vibration rehab. So the it's a three-step, well, ideally you do these three steps all at the same time, but I have to tell, I have to explain them to you one at a time. So it sounds like a one, two, three sequence. Actually, it's more like a one, two, three. <laughs> you do them all at once. Um, the first step is noticing that you're experiencing the anxiety around money or whatever it might be, the shame, the, the whatever those unpleasant emotions are that you've had in relation to money. The first step is to notice them and make a decision that you're going to change it. So you're not, you cannot simply stop it. I want to say that right now. That's a bit like saying, whatever you do, don't think of pink elephants. The minute I say that, you're all immediately thinking of pink elephants. So you can't simply give your brain an instruction to stop being anxious. It doesn't work. But you can make the decision. You can tell your brain that you are making the decision that it's going to stop. So that's the very first thing to do is to notice it's happening and make the decision to stop. The second thing that you're going to do is you are going to engage some form of sensory pleasure. And I'll talk about that in a minute because that's going to be different for everybody. Um, and that's going to be part of your homework for this week. So you're going to engage some form of sensory pleasure, which is how you're going to elicit this flood of dopamine. And the third thing you're going to do is you're going to practice a replacement thought because this is you want a new neural pathway and this is the way to get it. And because you're because you're flooding your brain with dopamine, your brain's going to take on this new thought much more quickly than if you were simply practicing it on its own. So that's the three steps for vibration rehab. It's really simple. You're going to it's going to feel unfamiliar at first and uh, it's because you're using sensory pleasure, it's really enjoyable. So let's talk first of all about the sensory pleasure and about what kinds of things you might use. Um, it's got to be something that's immediately accessible. This is not about finding things that inspire you or that, you know, um, that connect. We're not talking about things that, uh, you know, have some sort of magical connection to abundance, et cetera, et cetera. We're talking about pure physical sensory pleasure. Now for me, my particular favorite go-to turns out to be smell. And I carry, when I'm using this technique, I usually have a little bottle of an essential oil blend that I carry in my pocket. I literally have it in my pocket all day long. And if, in fact, if I'm working, if I've had an issue come up that I know is, a, is, is going to require some work around this, um, because I still use this technique from time to time when, it, when, it, when I need to, I will not wear clothes that don't have pockets. <laughs> That's how much I know it matters to have this physical sensory pleasure right there at my fingertips. 
so it's got to be sensory. So you can use things like you can use, certainly use sense of smell, and that can be anything. You know, if if you um, if if you if you're not into essential oils, the sense of smell is really strong because it connects straight to our limbic centre. So it's a really good one. Um, and uh, if essential oils don't do it for you, uh, you could have something like you might have a favourite um, uh, hand cream uh, that you could put on you that you could massage into your hands. Because touch is another one. You could you know self massage um, is a, a really good sensory pleasure. If you have a hand cream that you really like, you could massage it into your hand and then breathe it, breathe in the scent of it, and you've got two for the price of one, which is awesome. Uh, you can have things like if, if if you like if you want to work with smell and essential oils don't do it for you you might have a um, you might love the smell of coffee um, keep a little bag of rose, of fresh ground beans you know in your pocket and every time you need to get it out and sniff it uh, you might I had a, a dancer client who um, when she was looking for her sensory pleasure. Uh, item to figure out what she was going to use. She discovered that there's a particular stretch that um, she 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 uses as part of her warm up, and she absolutely loves how it feels in her body. So she used that. Uh, so you can you can basically use anything you like. Uh, I know that the sorts of questions that people often ask are things like, "What does it work if I just imagine the sensory pleasure?" And the answer is. Sort of, you get about 20% of the benefit. So if you are in an, if you're in a situation where you absolutely cannot get to something that will give you sensory pleasure, so you might be doing a presentation in front of you know 2,000 shareholders or something, um, and in that moment you can't really get your bottle out and sniff it. Although <laughs> I'm quite shameless, I probably would, um, but you feel that you just can't do it at that moment. In that moment, you can imagine. But it is always more potent to activate physical sensory pleasure because we're working with our physiology here. We are not working with um, anything more sort of esoteric. We're, we're purely working with our physiology. Uh, if you can take three slow, deep breaths at the same time, I would recommend doing that as well. So again, if you're using the sense of smell, this is a no-brainer. You just take three nice, long, slow, deep breaths while you're holding your whatever your nice smelling thing is um, to your nose, easy peasy. Um, but you could also, if you're using touch, if you're using um, uh, basically smell and touch are my two favourites. I struggle to kind of think about other options, but I know that other people do. Um, we have other senses as well. We have our sense of you know our sense of stretch. Like my my dancer client um, used her sense of stretch. Uh, we've got other senses. So, so if there's something else that really lights you up, that's, that's what you'll want to use. Um, it's also a good idea to have more than one item. So uh, you can have a backup, a couple of backup things. I, I know that I have, um, uh, because my sense of smell is such a, a, a useful one for me, uh, I, um, I occasionally wake up. <laughs> if I wake up in the middle of the night, if I'm going through this process and I'm dealing with some anxiety, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I need to do my little vibe rehab process, um, I keep under my pillow at all times, there's a little, um, a little vial of uh, lavender oil that has a rollerball at the top. It's designed for using when you've got a migraine or you put it on mosquito bites. But I don't, and I do use it for that. But mainly what I use it for is it allows me to 
smell lavender oil without any risk of spilling it in the middle of the night in the dark. So you'll want to get really creative about this. And it will take a little time, a little practice, and that's totally fine. And please, if you've got any questions, ask them in the group. If you've got ideas, it would be great to share them in the group because that might help other people come up with their ideas of what they want to put in their pleasure toolkit. So this is like you're making a little pleasure toolkit with at least two items in it, three if you like, more if you want. Um, I like to have just a couple of reliable ones that I use all the time. I mean, not all the time, but as I'm going through this process. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is the replacement thought. Now this replacement thought, it's a little bit like an affirmation, but you want it to be really short, sharp and punchy. And rather than going for anything too specific, you'll, do, you'll be better served by something like all is well, or I am taken care of, or the universe has my back, or I don't have to think about that right now. Something like that, any of those kinds of things. Again, feel free to ask questions in the groups or to have conversations about this in the group or to share your ideas of what you're going to use as your replacement thought. All of those things are, you know, um, it, this is all very individual. The key to the replacement thought is it has to be something that your brain is willing to get hold of, willing to get on board with. So you can't make it something like if you're having, if you're deep in debt and you're having major anxiety about money, having a replacement thought or trying to have a replacement thought that says something like, uh, I have a million dollars in the bank probably isn't going to do the trick because it's too far, it's too big a jump. It's too much for your brain to try and take on board and it's just going to go, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> so you want to be able to have something that makes it feel makes your brain, helps your brain to feel calmer and to feel like this is possible. So let me, um, oh, hello, you lost sound. It was, it was yeah, she's back again. <laughs> Oh, good. It was Corey. Okay. So, sorry. Wow. <laughs> sorry. No, I was, no, no. Not your fault. I was on a roll. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so, but this is a good point for me to stop and ask for, if anyone has questions about anything that I've just shared with about vibration rehab and how to use it. I think I lost or I, I dropped... Um, right after this, three slow deep breaths, and while okay. smelling the oil. But I, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, sh I know I missed. <laughs> That's okay. Well, um, did everybody else hear it? Was it on the recording? And I'll pick yeah, it up it on, the on the recording. So the I'll, steps, I'll if you that. can just cool. list the steps out, I'll put them in the chat. Yeah, I'll the do steps that. Steps are. Yep. Yeah. The steps. So the, the three steps are the first step is the noticing and, and deciding to stop deciding to change it. Oh, yeah. The second step is the physical sensory pleasure. And the third step is the replacement thought. And I was just saying the replacement thought needs to be something that your brain can get on board with. So it'll be something like all is well here or universe has my back or um, uh, what was the other one I said? Um, I don't have to think about that right now or I'm always taken care of. So something that's fairly neutral, fairly generic, fairly, you know, broad sweeping statement rather than anything too specific. Uh, so, oh, thank you for that, Jackie, for putting that in chat. That's great. Um, so that's the that's dealing with the. Um, I know, as I said, 
before I sort of started outlining this technique, that there are going to be some people at this program who kind of have have shown up, arrived with anxiety or shame or anger about money. I want you to use that, start using that technique straight away. Um, there are going to be other people who may have one of those things come up during the course of the program as we challenge some of the old identity stuff around money, some of, the, some of your brain's old ideas about money. As they get challenged, sometimes your brain can go and have a little momentary panic attack. It's not literally a panic attack, but it's your brain kind of going, oh, I'm a bit scared now. You can use this same technique to help calm it and soothe it. Because your brain is like... You know, sometimes it's like a little border collie puppy. It's really intelligent. It's really smart. It's really eager to learn. And when it's left to its own devices, it can get itself in a whole heap of trouble, chewing the furniture and peeing in the carpet. So you want to make sure that you're remembering this concept that you're the one, you're the CEO, you're the boss of your brain. And you're a loving boss. You're not going to bully it. You're just going to help it to change. Um, there's... So that's, that's going to be your, a major part of your homework for this week. For those of you who have been experiencing any kind of anxiety around money, so maybe that takes the form of, I don't really want to look at my bank account because I don't want to see how much is in there. Or maybe it takes the form of, I've got debt and I don't want to think about it. Maybe it takes the form of just a generalized anxiety around money. The minute you become aware of that, this is the technique you're going to use. There are a couple of other bits of homework that I want you to start with this week. Um, and the first one is we're going to do letters to money. So you, this week, every day, you're going to sit down, you're going to write a letter to money, and you may have some stuff to say to money that you you may need to get stuff off your chest. You may need to um, say things to money that you've never really expressed before. But here's the key. Many of us, have learned that money is this mysterious thing. We may have heard ideas about money being a mentor or money being some having some kind of power. I think that money does have a consciousness, but I don't think it's what we what we've been taught necessarily. Some of us have learned this other way of thinking about it already, so you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, money is this creative. It's this kind of really creative, playful energy. If you think of the money, in you, it, the, the way that I find helpful to think about money is it's like um, a really mischievous, creative, prankster kind of 12-year-old where, again, left to its own devices, it'll do all kinds of crazy things, but we have to be the ones in, we have to be the mentors, but we need to be loving mentors of our money. It's our job to be the ones in charge. We're not the supplicant here. So our relationship with money is not one of supplication. It is one of um, almost almost parental, but that doesn't quite land for everybody. So this week, I want you to begin the process. We don't have to get this all figured out this week because you're going to continue with building this relationship with money over the course of the program. We're not going to try and get it all figured out this first week. But for those of you, so for those, for postgrad students, for people who are returning, I want you to go back to your letters to money really strongly this week and work with your letters to, to money from wherever you have been in the program up till now. For those of you who are new to the program, 
this week you're going to just write your letters to money and you're going to come clean. So your money is not a bully. Your money is, imagine that you're writing to, um, you can think of money as a sprite or an imp or a 12-year-old child or you can think of money as something more ephemeral. Uh, but however you think about money, this will change. As you do these letters to money over the course of the program, this will change your your understanding and your knowledge of of who your money is and how you relate to her. It's going to change and shift. So we begin with being as honest as possible, being as open as possible, confessing all. If there's stuff you need to confess to money, then do that. I will share a couple of my letters to money in the group probably later in the week because because of this, my laptop going to the doctors. Um, but I will I will find a couple of um, photos of my journal where I've been writing letters to money, and you will see that it's there's a sense of taking responsibility for how things have been, but also being really frank with money about how things have been. So if you need to get angry, then do that. If you need to get um, embarrassed, do that. You're not sharing these. You don't have to share these with anybody. Um, if you have anything there that you want to share, that's fine. Uh, but you don't have to share at all. I want you to be as feel free to be as open as possible about this, and to remember to do it from that perspective of um, wanting to kind of clear the air because you got, you need to build a relationship with money, and we're talking about the energy of money here. So we're going to do letters to money. The other thing that I'm going to invite you to do is starting this week, any old stories that you have been telling on the basis of I'm broke, we can't afford that, um, money is tight, whatever it might be and whoever you're sharing it with. So you might be sharing it, so for instance, if you're working with a business coach um, at the moment and you're talking about your money or if you're in a mastermind group and you're talking about money or if you're out for coffee with your girlfriends and somebody says, you know, let's all go to the theatre and your first thought is I can't afford it. I want you to be really aware, really observant of the stories that you are telling and where possible before the words come out of your mouth, before you tell that story of I can't afford it, I want you to stop and question that story. Not question it in the sense of, is it true? But be aware of it. So it's kind of, I'm not saying that you have to change the story yet. I just, in this first week, I want you to be aware of the story. So that's all we're doing is if you have that thought. So this is stories that you're telling inside your head as well. Just be aware of them. No judgment. There's no, you know, we're not judging ourselves. That's one of the kind of principles behind the work that I do is we do not bring judgment to the party because it's not helpful. If you have questions about this or any of the other material, then of course ask it in the group because as you think about this, you might find questions come up. As you write your letters to money, things might come up, questions might come up. So always feel free to ask them in the group. But right now, what I would like to do is I'm just going to, quickly go through the homework again just so that we're clear and then I want to throw it open to quick to question and answer. So the homework is the the 
stuff that I've already given you guys in terms of preparation for the work for the program. And I know we've got a couple of folks who signed up just at the last minute, and that's fine. All of the preparation stuff is what you're going to be doing as part of your homework for the first week. So that means reading the book uh, and the files are in the Facebook group. It also means practicing the Lakshmi blessing um, game because it feels because it feels good. <laughs> That's one of the main reasons to do it. It feels good and it's really fun. And as Sandy's story, go read Sandy's post in the Facebook group. If you haven't already read it, read Sandy's story because this stuff works. Um, uh, so practice the blessing as recommended in the preparation work. Um, you're going to learn vibration rehab. You're going to play with that and you will get better at it. Believe me, it feels really weird and awkward at first because you kind of, you've got to think about what you're supposed to do and, and you've got these different steps to do and it all feels a bit difficult, but it's not. You'll get used to it. If you have questions about it, ask in the group. So with vibration rehab, remember it's those three steps. And in order to do it, you'll need to have your pleasure toolkit so th one to three sensory pleasure items. And you, if you don't like, if you try something and you don't love it, it's fine to switch it up. And you'll also need to have your um, replacement thought at your, at, at your fingertips. So pick one and stick with that. Um, if you find after a few days that it's not landing, then by all means change it. But don't try and sort of jump around from one to the other. If you find one, when you find one that works, stick to that. Um, letters to money. You're going to be doing a letter to money every day, and you're going to uh, you're going to clear the air and come clean about how it's been for you. And you're going to become aware of the stories you tell about money at the moment, and that's it. I know that sounds like that's five different things, which sounds like a lot, but actually each one, aside from the letters to money, none of them will take a lot of time. So this week we're sort of just looking at the ways to unhook from the old identity. And we will start working on the new identity from next week. Okay, so is that clear? And do, does anyone have any questions? Um, and does anybody want to look at any coaching stuff at this early stage? Or do you want to just play with your homework? So I'm, the floor is open. Whoever wants to go first, just dive straight in. Um, Janet, this is just a, a question. Will you be putting um, notes about the homework in the in the group as well, just like a short version? Uh, I, um, I'm, I'm scared I might have missed something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can do. Yes, I'm. I'm just conscious that I I can't, I haven't got a lot of time between when I okay. wrap up the call and um. Uh, and when get, your thing goes, um, I can. I yeah, can when do I have it. to go. So it's, it, we're going to do the um, the vibe rehab, and we're going to do a letter mm -hmm. to money every day. And we've yes. got to get our pleasure toolkit together for vibe rehab, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put I something in the group. I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> but okay. I will put something in the group. Yeah. No, thank you for asking that. I was just. It's all right. I've I have to drive an hour and a half to Melbourne to go to the Apple Store to take my computer in but I've got heaps of time it's fine I just want to make sure that I got that I've got stuff done before I hand my laptop over <laughs> mm -hmm. makes sense yeah absolutely yeah okay. yeah so but I will put something in there thanks for that Jackie um, any other questions any questions to clarify things um, I know for people who are brand new to my work that's a lot of stuff to take on board um, 
And of course, you have the opportunity to listen to the call again. And you can ask questions, you know, if you want to sit with it for a little while and then ask questions, that's totally fine. Like I said, I'm, that's what the Facebook group is for, to make sure that you feel that, you know, I don't want anybody feeling that they're left behind because I've, I've dumped information on you. <laughs> I said the first couple of weeks would be teaching heavy and I wasn't wrong. Um, so any questions? You guys are really quiet. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if there are no questions, genuinely, and you're not just holding back because you're shy, <laughs> if there are genuinely no questions, I will wrap the call up. But I want to make one. I just want to do a final round of going, going, gone. So, um, I, literally, if you ha if you don't speak up now, you'll have to wait till next week to There's ask me in person. <laughs> so, Guillaume, did you have a question? No, not at all. No. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you're still up and still with us. That's awesome. Yeah. I know you're probably doing this. My eyes are falling. My eyes are falling. I bet. I bet. <laughs> well, um, you get to go to bed. You get to go to sleep. <laughs> we won't keep you up any longer. Um, so, if nobody has any questions, I will wrap the call up. Um, so one final call for questions. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no. I'm going to wrap up the call. Thank you guys so much for being on the call live. I really appreciate it. And um, uh, as I said, as, as the program unfolds, the, the balance of teaching to coaching will shift. Um, but we do have a few more weeks of, you know, of, Information. Oh, the one thing I, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is um, before I go is we will have a working break. At this stage, I'm looking at us doing a, a, a class every week for four weeks and then taking the working break and then picking and then doing this, the the other four weeks after the working break. The working break is designed to let people catch up and to let people kind of because um, I, I know with these kinds of programs it's really easy to you know life intervenes and we fall behind and sometimes that's inertia sort of rearing its head. Uh, so I want to make sure that we have that opportunity to catch up in the middle that nobody gets to panic about feeling left out, left behind. Um, having said that, with the last program, we actually did five weeks and then the working break and then three weeks. So we might end up doing that for this program and I will know that probably by next week. Um, I'll have a clearer picture of where people are at. So either next week or the week after, we will make a final decision on that. Um, I also want to say, in case I haven't been clear about this, that I will be doing this work alongside you. So I will be sharing my experience as we go through this. Um, if, I, if something isn't coming up for me now, I will be telling you about my experience the last time I did this. Um, where things came up for me, so I will make sure that I'm sharing that with you because I, you know, I know that I know that some coaches uh, like to feel that they kind of have it all together, that they're the authority. I, it, that doesn't really work for me. Um, yes, I know my stuff, but I'm human and I'm going through this in the same way that you guys are. I might be a few steps ahead, but that doesn't mean I have it all figured out or that I have it perfect. So as, I, as we move through this material, I will be working alongside you. And in this first week, 
most of this stuff I can say I've pretty much nailed. You know, my capacity to unhook from my older identity is very practiced. And that's all it is. This is a learned skill that anybody can do. And I just happen to have had a lot more practice at it than most of you guys. And that's totally okay. That means that I'm, you know, I can, I can support you. And almost any story you tell me or any question you ask, I probably can say, yep, I totally relate to that. That's happened to me. <laughs> Maybe not all, but don't feel that you're, um, you know, that, um, that, that, that you're, there's there's nothing you can ask that will shock me, and there's nothing that that you can ask that um that will um that you know there's there's nothing basically what I'm trying to say is it, whatever happens however this unfolds for you it's all normal and you're not broken there's nothing wrong with you okay even if it feels painful because sometimes with this work it can feel like you know walking through barbed wire and I know that and most of the time it's not. But very occasionally it can feel that way, and the key is make a different choice and do the work. So whenever, in, when in doubt, do the work. All right. Uh, thank, thank you, you guys so much, and um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the call. It's been absolute pleasure. I love doing this stuff when there are people <laughs> to play with. And I will talk to you guys next week. Okay, all right, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.